Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome, welcome. This is Ken in the Washington, D.C. area on Voice America Influencer Channel. And we have our lovely producer, Andrea Adams-Miller, with the Red Carpet Connection. And she's going to share our lovely sponsors and bring our guest on as soon as possible. Absolutely. So our sponsor, our featured sponsor of choice this year is the opus.finance, also known as bees.social, the crypto technology uh, to change the world for the people by the people. Also, we want to thank the Umbrella Syndicate, the Red Carpet Connection, Voice America Influencers Channel, Lynn Benavides, MyMakeupLady.com, the EMFFix.com, and Perfect Publishing. And our guest today is the amazing, amazing, amazing Seth Green. Seth Green, Ken and I got to know several years ago. He has been doing some amazing things in the world from uh, domin- market domination. Uh, he is one of the smartest marketers on the planet. He's been nominated back and back, back and forth uh, for being marketer of the year. Um, he's done so many amazing things. I just had a computer glitch. So I'm just going to go ahead and bring him on. And then as I know, he's been in Forbes, he's been all over. He's done uh, over a thousand podcasts. This guy really is all about um, marketing domination. And you are going to absolutely love him being here with us. Seth Green, let me bring you back on camera. And we are so happy to have you here. Here we go. Thanks so much for having me. It is an honor to be here. I am super excited. Well, Seth, I must confess, I was brought into this with a little different preparation. There was a typo on my sheet, and instead of it saying your 1,000th, it said the one was omitted, so it said 000th. I was like, why would there be so many zeros in front of here? This is his first podcast ever, but it didn't make sense because you're a professional <laughs> podcaster. That, that, that is correct. I don't know how that, I don't know if that typo was on my end or your end, uh, but I'm glad you got that cleared up and didn't think this was my first rodeo, given that we produce about 63 podcasts every week well Absolutely it is my attempt amazing. at humor seth and i hope it'll be forgiven yes. that it not, doesn't always land because i am just a wacky guy sometimes you're but, allowed uh, to be you. wacky that's part of your charm <laughs> so i remember uh part of your charm was you used to wear a super uh hero outfit or at least a t-shirt that emitted the superheroism of marketing is that a good way of putting it yeah, so I had one of my, my full, I, I, we have a number of graphic designers on staff. I had our lead graphic designer years ago make me Superman shirts, but replacing the middle of the, instead of the S, there was an F for Facebook, there was a LinkedIn logo, there was a YouTube logo, there was a Twitter logo. So yes, that was my Superman of social media phase. And um, looking back sometimes on pictures that were taken of us in previous years, we might cringe. And I said, wow, I can't believe some of the outfits I wore and some of the crazy hats I wore to get attention at conferences. Um, we've since upgraded our image, as you can tell by the suit and tie, uh, but those were a lot of fun. Well, I am a work in progress, as you can see, still a t-shirt, a little 
white thing here and the white thing another white thing okay <laughs> so um i think it made you very likable and i love taking pictures because i think it really made the keep smiling movement show that you have a great personality a great sense of wit and that you really do like humor so we're gonna give you obviously some time to do some stand-up jokes later if you'd like and in the meantime <laughs> we want our audience to get to know you because not everyone does know you in our audience so here we go can you share what it was like, well, where you were born, what it was like uh, in your childhood, and when you were thinking, I want to be this superhero called a podcaster and a marketer. Okay, so those are all, okay, so that's different time periods. So I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. So uh, let's see, I was born in Hornell, New York, uh, which is like a farm town um, near Ithaca, which I'm told, I don't remember, I was too little. Um, I remember a very small amount of that. We moved to Amherst, New York, which is a suburb of Buffalo um, early on in my childhood. Childhood sucked. Um, I was bullied a lot. Um, my, my life in that department was kind of miserable. So that was really frustrating. However, it made me the black belt martial artist I am today and the ferocious defender of my children that I am now. I will say the superhero, um, I always wanted, because I felt powerless for a large part of my childhood, I would say that I always wanted superpowers, um, whether it was the occult phase that I went through when I was 11 or 12 and wanted to summon Satan to cast a curse on the bully, um, to being a superhero of marketing, I've always wanted the ability to influence others in a responsible way. And so... I started out uh, going to college for an undergrad from I want musical theater. I wanted to be a Broadway star at 18. My dad drove me so nuts about the cost of college tuition. By the time I graduated, I became a college financial aid planner where that business, how to find money for college.com still exists. And we cut the cost of college $19,077 per year per child. And then the marketing I learned from legendary marketing guru, Dan Kennedy, one of the events that we met at, that grew that business to one of the top 30 in the country, spun off a separate marketing firm, marketdominationllc.com 14 years ago, which has now grown from me to a team of 43 staff members. And we've served several thousand clients in 63 different industries, literally in every time zone on the planet. And that's kind of made me the superhero of social media. Podcasting came about about seven years ago. I had just interviewed 10 or 15 marketers for a book I was writing on marketing. And I started listening to podcasts and I said, hey, these are all interviews. I wonder if I could just air these episodes, uh, these recordings in, as a podcast and see what happens. And I aired the unedited raw recordings. Like it was freeconferencecall.com. There was no Zoom. You could hear the phone ring. You could hear the person go, what are we talking about again? Like all the pre-show stuff I didn't even know to edit out. So the audio production was awful, but the content was good. And that was what the early reviews, that's what it said. It said, if you can get past the awful production, the content is really, really good. So we decided to do it on purpose and hired folks to do that in-house. It took off. I decided because I had interviewed some of the most famous podcasters in the world, people had tens of millions of downloads. And I learned how they grew their audience and how they monetized. And they were all doing it the same way. And I said, that's not going to work for a normal business owner. You know, the average financial advisor, accountant, you know, lawyer, doctor is never going to get 10 million downloads. They may never get a thousand downloads. 
I need a way for them to make money doing this without any traffic. So I created, I flipped the model upside down. I created a system that worked. I tested it on a golf coach who was a guinea pig. It worked. We started doing it for other clients and then it took off. And it's a separate division of our company where, again, we produce over 63 shows every single week now. That's very cool. Very cool. So when you said that you are a martial artist, do your kids also follow in that footstep? Do you... Um, they do not because they have so many, so much time is spent on their extracurricular activities. They don't have time. So my son is on, my 14 year old is on three soccer teams, including one Olympic training team. Um, nice. My middle daughter is a musical theater junkie like I was and is always in multiple shows. Just finished one last night. And my youngest daughter um, is a dancer along with a whole bunch of other things. So we do not have any more room in our calendar. At least we believe that we don't have any more room in our calendar to add another activity. My son did do Taekwondo for a year or two when he was in kindergarten. However, I would want them in the martial art that I still take. And I just don't, we, with all of the stuff on our calendar, we really just don't have, they'd have to give up some activities to make room for it. Like school. Well, you're, you're welcome to give a shout out to your kids if you'd like. Yeah, okay, well, Max, Ella, and Lily, I'm super proud of all of you. Love you all so much and am uh, thrilled to watch the amazing things you're doing in the world. All right. Andrea has some questions. I know she lined up, so I'm going to give her a turn as well. Well, you know, when when you first did your, you know, your book for the marketing domination, teaching people about, you know, the ultimate guide to podcasts and so forth, uh, compared to what you did then with the um, podcast being in there and you having the interviews through that, what's the difference between now and then? What are you doing differently now that's made you this domineering, uh, you know, amazing person in this field? Okay. So yes, our business model has certainly changed. We've certainly pivoted. I would say um, we're doing the same concept, but there are way more resources now than there were before. So for example, because our podcast network is so large now, we have national Fortune 500 companies that are advertisers on across, across our whole network. So we have a lot more exposure. We have a lot more different types of, we've switched podcast host providers. We've switched social media software applications. We're currently working on the switch to live streaming some of those episodes. We've um, added a page rank one blog to everyone's podcast where literally last month I got 19,000 clicks at about three cents a piece with no social media ad spend. So we keep making the model better, finding better ways to execute it, finding better resources and people to partner with. The concept about the 50 relationships that will promote your brand every week for a year, that ethical cult that works on behalf of your business every week. That's still the same, but we've pivoted in how we execute, where we execute, and how often we execute. Amazing. Okay, so I, someone is starting yeah. a brand new podcast and they see you through an SEO search. What advice do you give them as far as getting going? I would say the traditional podcasting advice is, in my opinion, I'm a little controversial on this topic, is completely wrong. I think that the podcast is not about the listeners. It's not about the downloads. It's about, the, those are vanity metrics to me. It's about the relationships that you build with your guests and their tribe. So if I do one episode a week and really follow our follow-up process and turn that guest into an advocate, referral, or evangelist source for us, 
they will literally grow my business for me. Uh, that's why we now air every single day. I would not recommend it. Sometimes we record four or five episodes in a day because the demand has gotten so great. I would start with one a week. That's what we do for our clients. And if you follow that multi-step multimedia approach, you will turn those guests into evangelists, not only for the show and your brand, but in terms of folks who literally drive sales, we have 72 of them who drove five and a half million dollars of revenue and we're adding more every single day. So we're doing the same thing for our clients because that model of making it about the relationships as you guys teach is way more important than how many people might download my show. You know, our golf coach um, had nine listeners his first episode and signed a $50,000 client from it. So mm. I think four of those listeners were his family. So it doesn't matter how many people listen. It's about being micro famous to the right, really small, highly targeted group of people. So I think that um, there are three phases to the podcast and I'm not sure how you would evaluate it. So I'm going to be very vulnerable and ask you for help on how we could be more powerful if we were your client or a close friend or brother. So there's an onboarding process which makes the show not necessarily um, more succinct or flowing, it makes it more powerful that you're in partnership to launch the show. Is that correct? Absolutely. I, I, we won't give away, of, we can't give away all the secret sauce here. However, what I would say, when I, I'll give you my magic question. This is the question that we ask in the middle of every episode. And there's a reason why it's in the middle, because we want them to forget that they even, we asked it. And primacy and recency, they'll remember the first question and the first conversation and the last one. So we want to make sure the first and last one make them feel really warm and fuzzy about themselves and let them show off. But the middle question halfway through the episode that we ask every guest is, hey, Ken, given all the success you've achieved, what's your biggest challenge now? Hmm. And then we shut up and listen. And, and then our follow-up process after the show was aired and after we've gotten any type of traction for it, even if it's one person who listened, our follow-up process is all geared around getting a second phone call with our guest based on the challenge they said they had. And because we led with the podcast first and added value first and promoted them like five different ways first, they don't perceive it as salesy and they will happily jump on a second call to hear what our idea around their challenge was. And that starts the next phase of the relationship. So we start everything, every client, who's your target market and who influences them because we want leverage. I don't wanna just get one client at a time unless they're, unless they're paying enough. I want leverage. I want someone who can get me in front of 10, 50, 100, 50,000. We had a joint venture partner yesterday who came from a podcast who has an email list of 250,000 of our exact perfect clients. Hmm. That's awesome. Let's go back to the onboarding again. So you, you meet somebody. How, how do you meet people that you want on your podcast? And when you do meet them, how do you onboard them? Okay. Um, so we now, so the answer I will give and the answer I would give somebody new or different right now. And my wife is a podcaster and she asked me this question last night and she got her first email, first couple of emails of guests pitching her. Normally we were doing research and finding people for her. So once your show starts getting traction and you list it in the right directories, you'll start getting pitched. Like I get four or five a day of people who want to be on Sharkpreneur. So for a client, we would say, who's your ideal client? who influences them and let's go do the old fashioned research on Google or LinkedIn or wherever and build a list of let's say those 50 to 100 people and then we'll send marketing campaigns, email, LinkedIn, Facebook, direct mail, phone calls to those 50 people to get them to say yes to be on the show. So for your 
podcast entrepreneur and you have four people, only how, how many are going to make it? We're, we're not as picky as a lot of other folks. So I try and let almost everybody be on, which is why we're three or four months ahead. And some days I record seven episodes. Wow. So I'm trying to let lots of people on and give them a platform and give them an exposure. Um, where it gets picky is most, I would say 90% of the episodes I do. However, once a week, Kevin Harrington, my co-host from Shark Tank, will do one episode with me. So we're very picky when it comes to who gets on with Kevin and I at the same time because his schedule is so much more limited than mine. And me being nice doesn't move the needle for him. He's got a lot more higher level criteria in terms of who he'll want to talk to on the show because they've got to be able to play at a certain level in order for him to invest the time in doing that episode. I would say we're, we, we've gotten pickier for me in terms of when we can do the episode or, hey, you're right, I'd be happy to have you on, but it's going to be in three months, as opposed to in the beginning when I would interview, you know, anybody. Okay, so do you have something that people fill out to qualify? We don't. Um, there are lots of shows that make you fill out applications. I had one the other day. They asked me to be on, and they sent me this 20-page questionnaire. And I said, you maybe it wasn't the right answer for me to say, but I'm like, you pitched me, you want me on the show, make it easy for me to be on your show. So we do not have an application. We do not have a vetting process. It's literally send us a one sheet or send us your one paragraph pitch. If you've got a book, send us a copy and then we'll take a look at it and let you know. I imagine at some point we'll need to put in more vetting criteria, but at the moment I'm trying to literally give almost everybody a voice because you never know who somebody else knows. We've had some of our biggest clients were referrals from some of our smallest guests where maybe my staff said, why are you interviewing that person? They have like 300 followers. And I said, cause you never know. And then they happen to be friends with someone who had 3 million. Right. <laughs> so I try not to discriminate too much as long as they've got an interesting story. And as long as they could add value to our audience and talk about what it takes to grow and scale a business and they're doing some cool stuff in the world, I'll pro I, I, I will have a tendency to be try and let everybody, almost everybody on. So I should have my feelings hurt pretty bad if I try to get on your show and you say no. Uh, yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Nobody else should get their feelings hurt. Just you, Ken. <laughs> Just me. So Just uh, the podcast directory that you were speaking of earlier, what, what are some of the ones you use that you like? Um, there's a, there's a number of them. There's radio There's, there's podcast red book. Um, we're big fan, big, big fans of pod booker where you can have a profile for your show to get guests and you can have a profile to get on other people's shows. Uh, there's a matchmaker podcast matchmaker. I mean, there's now because the podcast industry is at its newest, newest, newest ground floor and now has 1.9 million shows the, the resources keep expanding and it keeps getting better. Okay. I know that we are attempting in our 140 directories, keep smiling directories of honoring people that are causing smiles in the world. And we think the podcasters are a wonderful theme. So we look for positive podcasts. So I would love to bend your ear after the show another time of who you think should be in our book. We can only feature about a hundred in the first book. We have about 60 right now. So we have room for some of your wonderful podcasters and, that would be lovely to feature the people that you are serving, especially because I think they're about leadership and positivity. 
Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned that. I had that conversation with my wife the other day. We were talking about she had just interviewed one of our other clients who's a podcaster in a different but similar kind of space, also in the relationship space. So I literally said, why don't you go through, go to iTunes and go through the list of everybody she's interviewed, make a list of those you want and ask her because, you know, you're connected. Well, okay. one of the things I just realized, uh, you know, because Seth is already going to write his Keep Smiling story for the whole series. And, of course, he'll be in the podcasters book as well. But you have 67 different podcasters. Isn't that correct, Seth? Uh, the number is growing every single day. Um, okay, so by tomorrow it'll be 80. So Seth could do his own podcasters book uh, and have it be Seth Green's book. So there it you appears. go. <laughs> yes. Yes. We have an internal directory of every guest we've ever had for every show um, because some of them can be repeats on other people's shows and because maybe they should have their own show. And it's something we're literally adding to quite a few times every single week. So what is next for you right now with your podcast? What's next uh, level? What is the challenge that you may be experiencing given all the success you've had? Awesome question, Ken. I wonder where you got it. So our question, we're try, uh, hiring and training fast enough to keep up with the demand for our services is thankfully a wonderful problem to have. Cool. Andrea, how are we doing in time? Oh, uh, l let me double check. Uh, we have about eight minutes till break, so we're doing good. Okay. So, Seth, I want to ask you a very, very personal question. Are you ready? Uh, I'm, I'm always ready. In your Keep Smiling book, what is the number one way that you bring smiles to the world? I th um, our purpose is to uh, be storytellers. So we tell our client stories. We tell their guest stories. We are always looking to spread smiles by telling inspiring, amazing stories of people doing wonderful things and helping others. I get up every morning excited about the ripple effect we're going to have today in terms of all of the people that we serve, all of the people that they reach. Um, my big, hairy, audacious goal is I want to get to the point where we're producing 200 podcasts a week because that's 50 guests that's a thousand, you know, that's a thousand people. If they only shared it with a hundred people each, we'd be willing to reach a million people. That's exactly the way we calculate our books is if we can get a hundred people in there and they should only share it with one post that reaches a hundred people, that's 10,000 people from one book that already, we already photograph people and we already are believing that these people deserve to be honored. So that's our rule too. It's a, it's a hundred times a hundred. And it's also if people even buy 10 books or anything, that's $10,000 that influxes into the, uh, the program as well. Absolutely. Andrea, you had a question? Well, I, I just to expand on that, too, is when Ken and I are on different podcasts and radio shows, we're sharing the people who have been in stories and done so many uh, different inspiring things. So then that cross promotion continues and continues. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you is to flash back. You had mentioned that you were bullied when you were a youngster. And I wondered if you'd divulge that story a little bit because we have a lot of things like that um, where people have been revealing and coming to us with saying, hey, I've had to overcome this or they're in the middle of it and don't know how to have that resilience to get their smile back. So sure, I, I would be happy to. So, well, so I was bullied probably from nine to 12, the ages of nine to 12. Um, my parents both worked. I was a latchkey kid. 
Um, it wasn't taking place at school. So uh, it was taking place in my neighborhood. The kid who did it was a couple of years older than me. So no school property, no school officials allowed to be involved. My parents talked to his parents. They didn't care. They didn't do anything. Um, and the crazy thing is last year, um, he, I hadn't talked to him since. And he apologized. Out of nowhere, he had written a post. Um, another kid on our neighborhood that he bullied was the Patriots kicker in the NFL, which I didn't know. I didn't talk to anybody. Oh. And that guy was traded to a team in, you know, was being traded. And so this bully had posted he hoped he came to his hometown team, uh, to his town where he lives. And it started a thread of, well, you probably don't want him there because he probably hates you. Um, so it's not like you're going to get tickets or anything. He might help you win games. Um, and then somebody tagged me and said, you know, of all the people, Seth Green probably got the worst of it. And someone else said he's probably got a poster of you in his house somewhere with a, like a circle and a bullseye going people to kill. And so then he tagged me and he's like, I hope that's not true. So I saw it and I said, well, I don't have a poster, but I have certainly had that desire over the over the years. And then he messaged me and was like, I'm so sorry. I was a beep back then. And, you know, and we started a conversation and ended up like talking about what effect that had on me, what effect it had on him, um, what his home life was like at that time, which obviously no one's born a bully. You got to learn it from somewhere. You got to have a lot of pain to try and make yourself feel better by inflicting on others. And um, those were things I didn't realize. I didn't even think about until like the last year or two doing some personal development work on myself. And then for him to magically come out of the blue and say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, like we were both in tears. Like I, I mean, I, I felt like 20 pounds lighter. That's awesome. Well, we're going to go to break. I have a lot of questions about your book and Kevin Harrington. And of course, some nice surprises as well. So Andrea, let's bring it, bring it to break. And thank you so much to our sponsor, Bees.Social, the crypto technology for the people by the people. My makeup lady, Lynn Benavides, TheEMFFix.com, Voice America Influencers Channel, The Umbrella Syndicate, The Red Carpet Connection, Big Events USA, and Perfect Publishing. And we'll be back with you right after these messages. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. 
Now, back to Amplify. All right, this is Ken Rashan on Voice America Influencer Channel, and we are back with Seth Green for the second segment, the final segment, and the segment I've been saving all the good questions for. So, Seth, I want to apologize. I, I was asking all the lame questions in the first segment, just so I could ask the good ones for the second segment. Right? You, you, I, I didn't even notice. That's how good your lame <laughs> questions were. All right. So <laughs> I think a lot of people would love to know the story behind how you created Sharkpreneur with Kevin Harrington. First of all, where you met him and how the conversation was and how it all cre was created. Sure. So um, the show was called Direct Response Marketing before then when it was just me. I actually kidnapped Kevin. I... A friend of mine seven, eight years ago said, hey, you're a big, sh in my BNI chapter back then, before my third daughter was born, said, hey, you're a big Shark Tank fan, right? Yes. Did you know Kevin's coming to speak? Nobody comes to Buffalo to speak. What the heck? So EO, Entrepreneurs Organization that he co-founded with Michael Dell many decades ago, was having an anniversary. It was a regional training, regional conference, happened to be in Buffalo, and he was the keynote speaker. So I canceled the eight meetings I had that day. I paid $300 for a ticket because I wasn't a member. I didn't know what EO was. I went and then when everyone else, we were all in line at the back of the room signing autographs of his new book, taking selfies. And I said, if I do that, I don't stand out. So I'm like, think of something, think of something, think of something. By the time I get to the first, did my turn, there was no Uber back then. I said, I'm here to take you to the airport. And he said, oh, that's fine. I was just going to take a cab. I said, no, no, no. They insist I'm supposed to take you to the airport. There was no that. So he said, okay, I got a couple meetings. If you want to come sit, be a fly on the wall, watch me work, and then you can take me to the airport. And I said, yes, I do. So I was sitting there being a fly on the wall, texting my wife going, oh my God, I'm taking Kevin to the airport. And she goes, in your car? I said, honey, it's Buffalo. I can't run down the street and rent a Bentley. Um, he has like 10. And she's like, well, can you go clean it? I said, I'm supposed to be in this meeting. And she said, say you have to go to the bathroom and go throw everything in the trunk because we have, at the time, two little kids. So I threw out all the sippy cups and all the crumbs um, and into the trunk and then drove very slowly to the airport so I had more time to pitch. I pitched him on something, I'm not about the podcast. He said, yes, send me what you got. I sent him a shock and awe box, which is a whole separate other thing we could talk about. Um, he called me from his cell phone as soon as he got it and then said, Okay, that started a consulting relationship. We did some marketing consulting for SCNONTV.com when he owned it. That went really well. He started hiring us to market his portfolio companies that he owned equity chunks in. Um, one of those was the Angel Investors Network, which produces a live version of Shark Tank Pitch Tank three times a year before COVID. We ended up doing the marketing to fill the room of 2,000 investors. They asked me to be a guest judge on the panel, picking the vetting and picking candidates and then deciding who made it to the finals. And then we were having dinner at an event, Pitch Tank in Vegas. That's the biggest one every year was the one in Vegas, which is 2,000 people. And he said, you know, what are you doing that's really cool right now? What's new? And I said at the time, it was my podcast. And he said, I want a podcast, but I don't want to do any work. He said, why don't he pitched me? He said, why don't we rebrand your show around the two of us? I'll come on once a week, do one episode, and I'll promote that episode to my following. Mm. And I said, as they say on Shark Tank, I'm in. Mm. Um, so that start, we rebranded it as Sharkpreneur. That was like a number, I forget how many years ago. But and it obviously, the show was doing well before, but obviously with Kevin attached to it, took us into the stratosphere. That is awesome. 
Man, I love that. Idea. I love the idea of you throwing everything in the trunk. Totally understand that concept. <laughs> yeah, I am. Oh, so you're shocking awe. Uh, Ken, um, um, I, I don't know. No, I want to ask about... the question. Wait, wait. Oh, I want to ask the question. This is important. So, Seth, what is the shock and awe uh, package you sent? So, I sent what looks like a aluminum flight case, a big aluminum, an oversized aluminum briefcase that had custom foam inserts holding a DVD player. So a while ago with a DVD saying, hey, Kevin, from me to him, telling him the 13 holes I thought we thought he had in his SCNONTV.com website funnel, along with a sales letter, all of my books at the time and a whole bunch of other resources underneath. So that giant metal briefcase and DVD got his attention enough to say, okay, you got my attention. I agree with what you're saying. Love how you presented it. Sign me up. That's cool. So uh, tell me about your books. Uh, wow. I've, uh, financial Advisor Marketing Magic, Real Estate Marketing Magic, Online Marketing Magic, Cutting Edge Marketing Magic, Facebook Ninja, um, The Ultimate Financial Advisor Marketing Plan, Marketing Program. Um, I'm missing one. And then I'm writing book nine, um, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, because I keep getting, I, oh, Market Domination for Podcasting was the podcast book. That was book seven. That's still on Barnes and Noble and Walmart and Target on the bookshelves now. And that was my interviews of all of those podcasters. And people keep saying, you've changed the model. You flipped the industry upside down. You should update that book. And I realized there's no way. I tried once or twice. I realized there's no way to update the book. Um, it'd be like 500 pages. I needed to write an entirely new book from scratch that wasn't interviews. It was just our process. So mm -hmm. that is available on, a, on the crowdfunding platform Publishizer now, um, depending on when this airs. Um, until the end of April, it's on Publishizer. And you can go pre-order a copy and get some really cool bonuses with it now. And that's the process, the way it works literally today. I'm literally writing it as we speak. Okay. So tantalize them a little more with some of the gold nuggets from that book. Um, so we're t we talk, um, uh, the book is actually two books in one. The first half is how to grow your business by appearing as a guest on other people's podcasts. And it has strategies for research. It has strategies for getting yourself booked. It has strategies for how to be a great guest. It has strategies for what to give away on the air and track performance. And then the second half of the book is how to grow your business by hosting your own show. And we literally go through everything from technically how to do it to um, how to, how to get, use your podcast to get speaking gigs, how to use your podcast to get written about in the media and got TV interviews. It talks about how to get joint venture partners from your show. It includes our secret sauce follow-up process it's literally everything we do. And what are some ninja ways to get on shows that you really wish you could get on? And is there any show you haven't been on that you wish you could get on? That's a really good question. Any? I told you, second part, second segment, I asked the big ones. Yes. Um, there probably are. I'm not, sh I, I don't have, I have a Dream 100 list that we're actively tripping on. I don't have it memorized. Okay. So I'll say yes if I looked it up. Um, ninja strategies to getting on. Um, we have pro process for finding the show host's actual contact information, engaging with them um, specifically on social media, on the platforms they're most active in so that you start showing up in their newsfeed and they start seeing you. We've got specific email templates that if you fill in the blanks work really well in terms of getting them to say, yes, they'll have you on as a guest. All of which well, are in the book. All right, so here's some ninja part two and three. So who is the hardest podcast that you were able to get on? And when you got on, you went, yes, I did it. 
I don't have an answer to that one. I don't know. It's not appearing on it. I wouldn't say that at this point in time, it's not challenging for me to pull that off. Okay. I, I'll, I'll flip the question and say, I have had guests that were on my bucket list that I was super excited to get uh, have as guests. And I have guests that I still want to interview that we're working on. So one of uh, two of the guests that were on my bucket list that now have come back both three times were Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels and John Lee Dumas from mm-hmm. Entrepreneur on Fire. And I'm actively, because it, my dream guests change depending on the stage of business I'm in. So right now, because we're hiring, training, and scaling super rapidly, my next dream guest is Vern Harnish from Gazelles, who wrote Mastering the Rockefeller Habits and Scaling Up, because I'm going to get half an hour, and in that time, I'm going to ask the questions I want to know the answers to, which will allow him to show off, of course, but literally... When I was trying to grow a SaaS company, I had Russell Brunson on to talk about how he was growing ClickFunnels. And then when I was working, before I was working on hiring and training fast enough, I had him on to say, how are you hiring ClickFunnels developers fast enough? And um, John Lee, I, I had on once to talk about how he grew his show. And then I recently had on to talk about personal development like a couple of weeks ago. So who becomes a dream guest for me changes depending on what issue, what challenge I'm working on at the exact same time. Sounds good. So since you've done thousands of, of a podcast, I would like to uh, steer our audience to hear a couple samples of your favorites. What would be a couple of your favorites, two or three? Uh, so if you, go, if you go to iTunes or Google Play or anywhere podcasts are and type Sharkpreneur, you'll find us. I would say I don't remember the episode numbers, um, yep. Russell's actually a couple of years ago, but John Lee is John Lee Dumas is in the last couple months. Um, there are there's so many, so they're they're while all thinking, good. Uh, while you're thinking, uh, John Lee Dumas, he has he the day I talked to him, I guess he said he had 20 podcasts that day or some insane amount. Well, John Lee does one of the things that we suggest for some of our clients, like Kevin, whose schedules are limited. So we'll batch episodes. Like Kevin and I, will do four in a row, and then he's done for the month two hours and he's done. Um, I do way too many a day to try and get everybody who wants to be on on. So I'm trying to cut back and real space them out more and say, okay, we might be able to have you on in June because I don't want to record you today and then go back to you and go June it aired and have you be like, I don't even remember doing it. So this is a two part question and I'm going to defer to Andrea. So she gets to ask a question or two because I know she, has a couple left, but I want to make sure that we interject the nonprofit. So do you have a nonprofit? We are a nonprofit. How do you advise a nonprofit to get um, more impact so it's getting funded and or the kind of guest you would recommend if that was our strategy? So we actually have a nonprofit as a client um, and they are doing our exact strategy that we're talking about right now. And I'm super excited for that because for years I wanted to start my own, I was gonna call it Angel Outreach and I was gonna donate marketing services to nonprofits that couldn't afford us and do it for them. So I love the fact that I get to play a little bit in that space from our nonprofit client. So we're interviewing, we're getting them interviews with folks who um, would have that mission or passion as a cause that they care about. So they can use it to raise money. We're having it work with the stakeholders in the community who that nonprofit supports or works with we're interviewing corporate, you know, 
C-level executives at the corporations that could be significant donors or sponsors of that podcast. So there's a number of different ways to play it, depending we're interviewing media people to get them to then in reverse, write about the pot nonprofit and get them more PR. So it just depends on what your end desired goal is. Awesome. So my question for you is you mentioned personal development and I found that just to be fascinating for myself and the outreach we've been able to uh, overcome. So what kind of uh, methods and things did you uh, utilize to help you get to where you're at now? Well, I'm, I'm a product of our product. So literally we run this process way too many times a day and because it works so well, and it's worked. For, it's the number one way we grow our business. So that's why we're doing it. We're practicing what we're preaching. Oh, so I, I was. Uh, so uh, let me rephrase that. So when I, I, I thought you meant personal development, like maybe NLP or hypnosis. Oh, or- okay. Sorry. Yeah. So yes, I misunderstood the question. So mm-hmm. personal development. So I am a huge Tony Robbins fan. So I recently did his virtual Unleash the Power Within. I own every single product he's ever created and listen to them every single day. Um, yes, I'm a huge fan of NLP and hypnosis. I also had a bucket list guest, Dr. Paul Sheely, the founder of learningstrategies.com, who invented the paraliminal. And I listen to his sleep deeply, wake refreshed twice a day. I listen to abundant health and I listen to financial success. So those play in the background on my headphones all day long when I'm not talking to someone. So that literally it's programming my subconscious mind all day. Um, I have this happy device, which is the Netflix for feelings. You literally put it on, hit the button on the app of how you wanna feel and it changes your emotional state. I meditate twice a day. I've got like four different technological devices to measure um, my physical, emotional, and mental state and strain all day, telling me what to change, when to change it, so that I am in a peak state all the time as much as possible. Awesome. Well, this show is about leadership. It's also about having a life you love. So I want to divert back to your father, your father figure aspect to your kids. Do they say, gosh, I want to be like dad. I want to have a podcast. I want to write books. And how do you encourage them? Okay, so my daughter, my middle daughter has written three books, three children's books. Um, and she has like, I think 12, 15,000 followers on Facebook already. So she's doing it. Um, if she had time, I would have her do a musical theater podcast. But How she's, old is current, she? she's 12. Wow. She is currently being, she's currently <laughs> being coached by someone with a musical theater podcast. Um, my son, our soccer star, no, he has no desire to have a podcast. Um, He wants, other than soccer, to game on his computer and perhaps, you know, he's playing with computer programming languages, so maybe he'll hide in a hole in code. And um, no, my my two daughters will make appearances on my wife's live vlog every week and sing the intro and outro song and occasionally comment and answer questions um, from the audience, but I don't think at this point... Ella might do one for musical theater when she's older. Lily, I, I don't think she's decided enough what she wants out of life to have that conversation. She's eight. Well, well the reason I was asking is because I'm, I'm studying a lot more about parenting and homeschooling. And I was curious, are you an advocate of parents encouraging their kids to potentially do a book or have a YouTube channel or basically step out of their uncomfortable zone of wanting to be in front of people? Absolutely. So my kids last a couple of years ago, we all went to Disney 
before COVID. And I had them come to my mastermind group, which used to meet in person and is now virtual, but it used to physically meet here and live stream all over the world. And I had them come and they all had to give presentations to my mastermind group of about 40 entrepreneurs in person and tell what marketing lessons they learned from going to Disney. So mm, nice. both of my daughters are in musical theater, so they don't have any issues really talking in front of people. For my son, he was getting out of his shell. Uh, but so yes, I have been a staunch advocate for getting them to be able to speak intelligently, either prepared or not in front of a crowd of people because it's such an incredibly valuable life skill. So since you're a marketer, um, I'm curious, I'm guessing you self-published? Well, we own our own publishing company because right. we started one to publish all of our clients' books. Yes, and I always tell people if you're not working with a marketer or a publisher who understands marketing, you're just hiring a printer. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great line. I'm going to swipe that, by the way. That's a good line. <laughs> you're welcome. Well, you're so fantastic. I wanted to make sure that I understood that you were actually marketing your own books because it wouldn't make sense to have someone else who's not as good at marketing do your publishing. Correct. Right. <laughs> Although, okay. because I'm pub I'm crowdfunding my next book, and because there's been I'm number one in their marketing and sales category, we've already had inquiries from a couple other publishers to publish it. So I literally I have a literary agent. So depending on the offer we get, I may not publish my set my, through our own publishing company. I may let someone who has more distribution publish my book. Yeah, and you can also be a, a co-marketer. I mean, they're going to enjoy the fact that you're helping them do their job. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, what I found is regardless of who does that, you need to be a co-marketer because eventually they bore of it. <laughs> or they don't do life. anything at all, at all. Yeah. So. Yep, yep, exactly. All right, so we are going to segue into rapid fire. So this is quick questions, quick answers. Um, in the first question I would love to ask, since it is book related, is what book or couple books changed your life? Wow. Um, there's a list, but I'll give you, I'll, I actually have a list, uh, a PDF of my top 18 books of all time, but Please I'll give send you, it to me. Yes. If you email me, I'll send it to you. Um, I will tell you think and grow rich would be number one. Um, <laughs> Tony Robbins unlimited power and awaken the giant within would be two. I'll include them together. Atlas shrugged would be three. And then I could go down. Russell Brunson's uh, secrets trilogy would be four, five, six, seven, right. Et cetera. That's, uh, yeah, so half of our guests list the number one that you named, uh, Think Grow Rich. And thank you for going a little deeper with a couple more. So um, go ahead, Andrea. So I've been in 60 productions and theater myself. So I would like to know what was your favorite role? And then what's the dream role that you've never played and would have loved? Oh, my God. So dream role. So I, after graduating Syracuse, I hadn't done another theatrical production until a year ago. And in the Jewish religion, the, we do what's called a Purim spiel to celebrate the story of Purim. It's a musical, at least in our temple. Um, and apparently this is a common thing around the country. I did not know, or the world, I did not know this. So a year ago, my wife voluntold me to, at first I thought I was just going to be in it. And then the day of auditions, I found out I was also the director of it. And I was also editing, rewriting the script for it. Um, so I did it under protest because it got, allowed me to be in a show with my daughter, which was on my nice. bucket list. So we had a great time and I said, that was a lot of work. I didn't really have time, but that was a lot of fun because I got to be in a show with my daughter. This year, um, I got approached again because it was, it was a Zoom musical. 
Um, So it was even more work um, to coordinate, but we pulled it off a couple weeks ago. So my dream role is Javert and Les Mis. And we're hoping to do the version, the, the next Purim Spiel next year will hopefully be in person and we're doing a Les Mis script. So I will cast myself and get to play the part. Um, it won't be on Broadway, but it'll be as close as I'm getting at the moment. Um, favorite role I've played so far? I would probably, man. Wow. Romeo and Romeo and Juliet. Oh. All right. Remember, rapid fire, because we got a lot of questions for a young man. Are you yes, ready for sir. this? Bucket list. You've referred to bucket list several times during the show, and I'm a big bucket list advocate, like what I want to create not only when I pass, but by what age. So what is one or two or even up to three bucket list items that you have left to do? Sure. So I'd love to hit the New York Times bestseller list or Wall Street Journal bestseller list as opposed to just Amazon. I would love to take my family to Hawaii. I'd love to take them to Israel. Um, and I would say I would love a, my wife and I have not had a romantic vacation alone since children. We went, uh, we went to her uncle's funeral by ourselves. That was our first trip by ourselves, like more than not one quite night. Not romantic. No. So <laughs> I would like to take my wife to a tropical island somewhere because we haven't been since our honeymoon. Okay. I got to sneak one more in. So you're saying there's a difference between an Amazon bestseller and a New York Times bestseller? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm kidding you. I'm kidding. I know. You. So, so uh, what do you think when someone says uh, Amazon bestseller? It depends. So are they Amazon bestseller for a day, which, which counts according to Amazon's terms of service as we're recording this. So I, most people, most consumers never know the difference. They don't know. They don't care. I've had people who showed up in my office that didn't even take the shrink wrap off the book and said, I'm hiring you because you wrote the book. You didn't read it. Who cares? So I want to know, I will ask more qualifying questions as in how long was it a bestseller for and how many copies did you sell or did you give them away? And how many did you sell? Because you could be bestseller giving away 50 in a category in a day. I want, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe you gave away, you sold 5,000 or 1,000, in which case you may have had a shot at New York Times as well. Also the old trick of a 99 cents. Yes. A day. All right, Andrea. Um, a favorite song that you sing to get you jazzed up? I'm assuming a Broadway song. Um, there's a, there's so many. So uh, my son has actually got me into a band called the score right now. And they have a song called legend and they have a song called unstoppable. Um, mm. Both of which work for me. Um, Yes, there are uh, Broadway songs that certainly work, but those two, literally as of today, are like my state change songs. All right, to finish out our media favorites, do you have uh, a movie or two that you go to to inspire you? Atlas Shrugged, but the book is better. And (laughs) movie, inspirational movie. Oh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. There you go. Oh. I've had the chance to work with Jordan Belfort in real life and we oh. follow his sales training. Um, and it's absolutely incredible. That's cool. When you were a child, Seth, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a screenwriter. I wanted to own a restaurant. I wanted to own a business. I wanted to be an author. So I've done the, I've done a couple of those. I've marketed restaurants, which I've learned is much more fun than owning it. 
Um, and I've yes. written screenplays, but I haven't gotten anything sold yet. So that, that, that is on my bucket list. I am writing to right now and hoping to actually make it happen and get a movie made. I have someone to introduce you to, so follow up with me. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that, that would seriously make my dream come true. All right, let's go to heroes. Uh, hero you haven't met and then hero in life. Uh, hero in life, there's a long list, but we'll, I would say number one would be Dan Kennedy. Um, who I've had the good fortune to work with. Hero I haven't met yet would be Tony Robbins. Okay. Andrea? Uh, sake of time, Ken, why don't you do the next one? Okay. A quote you live by. Who you are affects how well what you do works by Dr. Corey Melnikoff. Awesome. Thank you so much, Seth. It was wonderful having you as a guest. And I know with how many podcasts you have, I, I will just say, we hope it was different for you and that you experienced something that we really do care about leadership and we wanted to amplify your goodness. So thank you for what you do. Absolutely. Completely unique. And it's been an honor to be here and to serve. And I greatly appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Andre. And what was the giveaway that you'd like to give stuff? Oh, all right. Thank you very much. for the And reminder. also your website and your website. Okay. So there's two. So um, we have a 37-page ebook on how to grow your own cult of 50 evangelists who will promote your business every week for a year. It's 50% off for your folks off the Amazon price. It's seven bucks. It's growyourowncult.com. And our website, um, if you'd like a consultation, if you'd like to do a marketing makeover and talk about how this process at all could grow your business, that's for free for your audience at marketdominationllc.com. They just need to watch the sizzle reel and then fill out the form next to it and we'll jump on a, we'll jump on a call. Awesome. Fantastic. Andrea? So uh, the sponsors we want to thank today are Opus.Finance and Bees.Social, crypto technology for the people, by the people, the Red Carpet Connection, the Umbrella Syndicate, Perfect Publishing, Big Events USA, Voice America Influencers Channel, the EMF Fix.com, MyMakeupLady.com, Lynn Benavides, and the charity that we would love for you to support is The Keep Smiling Movement. And that's at Keep Smiling Movement if you want to share a selfie of you smiling and donations to www.thekeepsmilingmovement.com, a 5013C mental and dental health organization creating smiles one or creating a dose of hope one smile at a time. Back to you, Ken. All right, Seth, I hope next time I see you that you have your superhero uh, uniform back. I, I graduated the suits and ties, I went more <laughs> respectable. All right. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And to our lovely audience, remember, stay amplified. You have a choice in how you live your life and how you love your life. So make a difference in other people's life and you'll find it reflects on you. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.